This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. With Mac. In America, there's a burglary every 11 seconds. An armed robbery every 65 seconds. A violent crime every 25 seconds. A murder every 24 minutes. And 250 rapes a day. Movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee Kaye, mother. I understand what we're doing. Just don't make things harder than they are. Monty tells me you're holding a sketch of the suspected killer. What is this, a goddamn game? You didn't say the magic word. What magic word? Please. All right, enough for this <laughs> bull. Do you understand? You That's it. So, Freddie, do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little. Wow. So excited for the return of Action Movie Rewind here. We're going to leave Rami's name in the title there just uh, just to just to honor our friend who stole a segment from us on the fan in Milwaukee yesterday. And we he got did nothing, tell us in advance. But we got nothing for it. We need some royalties. I asked, for, compen- I asked for compensation. I, he told me to go bleep myself, basically. He did a pie chart of blame for the Aaron Rodgers situation for the Packer fan audience out there. I did tell him I am so jealous that he gets to be <laughs> in a market with that storyline. It's true. Well, yeah, it is pretty juicy. I mean, we it sounds like they've it, but... turned on Rodgers. It's yeah. so weird. They turned on Favre, and now they're turning on Rodgers. It's like, wait. Well, there's factions. Wait. There's factions. You're going to defend Brian Gutekunst for misevaluating <laughs> his great <laughs> legendary quarterback's uh, age curve? That's what, I mean, that's what You know happened. what? They, they literally thought that he was going to fall off the cliff, and he won the MVP, and they're stu- now they're stuck with a bad first-round pick. So the, right. the best part about the Favre thing was it, it was divided. So, like, there was the Favre group and then the Packer group, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. So, so uh, boys, action movie rewind. We're going to get into a legendary mid-'80s classic with Sly Stallone, Cobra, from 1986, presented by Federated. You know what? When your business has the problems that some of these businesses in this movie had, which is just people are just like destroying the business. They're just they're just shooting everything up. There's things exploding everywhere. You're <laughs> going to want a little peace of mind as a business owner, and that's where Federated comes in. So Federated has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. They're one of us based in Owatonna. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right. This is where the law stops, and I start. Sucker. Sucker. Here's the quick summary <laughs> of Cobra. 
Los Angeles policeman, Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti, played by Sylvester Stallone, finds himself at the center of a spate of murders carried out by a secret society called New Order. Killers who select weak members of society for extermination. As the murder rate rises, Cobra takes model Ingrid, played by Bridget Nielsen, his (laughs) wife at the time, into protective custody after she witnesses New Order's leader in action. As Cobra falls for Ingrid, they find shelter in a small town but must soon fight for survival. 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what those people Mm. think. Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says a disengaged Sylvester Stallone plays the titular Cobra with no bite in this leaden action thriller, queasily fixated on wanton carnage and nothing else. All right. $25 $25 million budget turned into $160 million at the box office. Sylvester Stallone, Bridget Nielsen, a couple other familiar faces from the era that I don't remember their names. Uh, this movie was directed by George Cosmatos, but really it was directed by Sylvester Stallone when you read the notes on this movie. And this dude was just along for the ride. Uh, but this guy also directed Rambo 2 and Tombstone. So he's got a couple other movies from the era under his belt. All right, Judd Zolgad, what was your main oh, takeaway from Cobra? Oh. All right. Ugh, I got to compose <laughs> myself here to do this. By the way, I want it to be known that Declan was very, like, Declan let out a disappointing sigh last week when this movie got chosen. He was like, ah. I'll get to my takeaway. Ugh. Well, I actually. <laughs> I got one. So you, you did, at the time, gave us four films, and I think Declan picked a number. Yeah. And and, yeah. De- and Declan's exact word. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, but I will say this. At the time, now, I had never seen this. So when Declan said that of the four films, Phil, that you uh, presented for opportunity to watch, I agreed with Declan. I'm like, Cobra, this sounds like a, why? Okay. I was more wrong about this than I was about the 2021 Twins. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is a bleeping grand slam, and I'm going to get into why. What? This is amazing. All right. I got notes. I got notes. I'm going to read from my takeaway here. Because if I don't, like, this film was so jumbled that my head almost blew off. Okay, so this film, my takeaway is this. This film makes zero sense. It has no <laughs> idea what it is. So it might be a sla- At times it's a slasher film. At yeah, times it's, it's yeah. a cop film. At times it's a romance, I guess. Oh, not God. good. Not good. But anyway, it has no clue. Like, the identity is, I don't know. Okay. But what this is, and this is the important part. This is where I'm going to bring it back to why it's a Grand Slam. It is Stallone doing his best Dirty Harry, Steven Seagal, Charles Bronson, and at the end, Indiana Jones. And why I actually like this is, why I like this product is, it is far better than that piece of garbage called Tango and Cash because Stallone is playing in this, right or wrong, the perfect role for him. Limited dialogue for the most part, which we can certainly get into, maximum killing. It's awful, but it doesn't disappoint. That's my takeaway. I'm going to sort of flip the... We we usually have a structure here for Action Movie Rewind, and we get to the production notes toward the end. This is one of the rare occasions where I actually think it makes sense to start with some important production notes to set the framework for what this movie is. All right. So I'm going to 
Okay. My main my main takeaway. I'll give you my main takeaway, and then I'll give you production notes. My main takeaway is that this is Sylvester Stallone's vanity project. Like he had our he had become an A list because of he had done four Rocky movies by this point and three Rambo movies. So he had done seven huge action blockbusters starting in like 1976 for the for the ten year period. So he had gone from this independent, down on his luck, broke writer, right? And he and he and he wins the Academy Award with Rocky, which is a piece of art. Rocky is art, whether you love it or not. I mean, the first two Rocky movies are I mean, legitimately won an Academy Award, no, the first one. Th- right? Thousand percent. And so he went from being like this thespian writer, this, this Rocky is this sort of turning the mirror on himself, right, self-reflective yes. uh, movie. And now he's literally just like, and, and I will read you from the production notes. Okay. Uh, Sly Stallone wanted this to be Beverly Hills Cop. So he originally had been signed on to do Beverly Hills Cop. And we talked about this. this. Yes, it's incredible. And when Stallone was signed to play the lead in Beverly Hills Cop, this is where Stallone's ego was out of control in the mid-'80s because of all the the things. What what happened with Stallone in (laughs) Rocky III, in Rocky III, he becomes Rolex guy, too big for his britches guy, and... He's Mr. Celebrity Guy with a huge ego, and he gets his ass kicked, and then his manager dies, spoiler alert, and then he has to, like, reset his whole life mm-hmm. to fight Mr. T, right? Mm-hmm. Like, basically what happened to Stallone in Rocky Three happened in real life, where he is just, like, vanity and, you know, celebrity and red carpet. So he, he signed on to be the lead in Beverly Hills Cop. He decided to rewrite the script almost completely, removing nearly all of the comedic aspects... <laughs> And turning it into an action movie that he felt was better suited to him. The studio read the revised script and rejected it, and so he just got bounced from Beverly Hills Cop. The proposed action scenes would have increased the budget far beyond what they planned, and Stallone later channeled his ideas into an original script that became Cobra. Uh Uh, Brian Thompson, who played the Night Slasher, the main villain in this movie, Mm -hmm. he repeatedly sought Stallone's advice behind the scenes about how to play the Night Slasher, including questions about the character's background and personal motivations, right? Like, okay, what's the best way that I can play this character so that we can really maximize it? Stallone showed no interest in the subject and told Thompson that the character was evil, so just be evil. Just be evil. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I don't know, kid. Just uh, quit quit bothering me, right? The supporting cast and extras were forbidden from talking to <laughs> Sylvester Stallone on set throughout was, the filming of this movie. I was reading this last night. It's great. The notes are great. <laughs> Don't talk to me. So he's just like, he put together this. And by the way, this movie was supposed to be like 30 or 40. Actually, I'm sorry. There's a version of this movie that's 50 minutes longer oh. than the hour and 29 minute runtime. It was supposed to be. There was all these character stories and arcs and all this background. And for a, a few different reasons, one being um, they just they just needed to like cut it to be shorter for release. Also, they had to cut it. It was it was a, I think it was um, it was an X-rated movie when it came out because mm. I'll just read this. Cobra needed additional editing because the film was so graphically violent that at first it received an X rating from the MPAA. Warner Brothers also did not like the level of gore and violence in the first rough cut. So they would not release the film until most of the scenes were deleted and it received an R rating. After Top Gun became a smash hit, Stallone and Warner Brothers were worried that Cobra, which would premiere the following week, would be overshadowed. So in order to ensure the best, I'm sorry, to or, in order to ensure at least one extra screening at each theater per day, 
The movie was heavily re-edited. 30 to 50 minutes were cut out within the week leading up to the release. Wow. Stallone removed much of the plot and scenes involving characters other than his own. Of course. So he made this movie about him. It was basically just him going around as like like the badass in his own dreams. And he cut out all other parts and and relevancies that didn't involve him. So that's the background. Wow. This was a Sylvester so, Stallone vanity project, and it still did pretty well at the box office. So did he – my observation coming out of this film was he thought he was going to be Eastwood? Because it here's, definitely here's, had some of that to it. Yeah, here's one more. At one point during filming, Stallone complained to the cinematographer <laughs> that they were falling behind on filming schedule and that he needed to push the crew to work harder. The cinematographer responded back to Stallone by saying, the delays are your fault because you're fooling around with Bridget Nielsen and showing off for your bodyguards. <laughs> Amazing. Like, <what>? So, <laughs> But anyway, you know what? Right. You could see, here's what I loved about this. You could see every bit of that throughout yes. this entire film. Like every everything Yo. that you just read makes perfect sense in watching this film. No more guy contact with me, yo. All right, Dax, what was your main takeaway? <laughs> from also, Cobra? the uh, the Night Slasher played the epic Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the second okay. cinematic movie of the Mortal Kombat franchise, which is like the first one is laughably bad, but it's also like it's 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 hokey and it, it's passable. The second Mortal Kombat is one of the worst films of all time. And Shao <laughs> so Kahn, poor dude, and he the guy, was looking for it's pretty much the same guidance. guy. Shao Kahn's like the most evil person in the Mortal Kombat universe, so he plays yeah, pretty may, much maybe, the same guy. Maybe if Stallone would have given him the thespian guidance that he True. needed back in 1986, he wouldn't have to play Shao Kahn to- ten years later in one of the worst Warner <laughs> Brothers films ever produced. Um, <laughs> my main takeaway: so I'm about an hour into this movie, and I'm taking notes, and my main note is. I'm 60 minutes in. I literally I paused it. I was 60 minutes in, and I, I was coming to the conclusion that this is one of the worst movies I have ever seen, right? I, I, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to bury the lead. It, it was one of the worst things I have ever seen. And then they get to this incineration factory, and they totally redeem themselves. The next 15, <laughs> the final 15 minutes of this film wow. is some of the most craziest, over-the-top, Best sequences we have ever done in action movie rewind history. I'm serious. The, the, like the whole scenes with them in the incinerator. He incinerates that first guy. He flips up a switch and he just burns. I burst it out in the laughter. You you have the right to remain silent. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, this was my favorite. <laughs> Him and the Night Slasher. This and this is a longer clip. I I normally I, I try to put these down, but I couldn't. And I but I want to play the whole thing. So this this was the epic, just pig die. You know, I think the Night Slasher uses the word pig like a dozen times in a, in a seventy second monologue. This is fifty seconds, but I think it's worth it because it literally saved me from not giving this movie a negative one score. Your history. You won't do it, pig. You won't shoot. Murder is against the law. You have to take me in. You can. Even I have rights. Don't I? Pig. Take me in. 
They'll say I'm insane. Won't they? The court is civilized, isn't it? Prick. But I'm not. This is where the law stops. And I start. I mean, seriously, the the best 15, 10, 15 minute sequence we have ever done in action movie rewind. It redeems this film. That's my main takeaway. Can we because I'm glad you played that clip. And and I think. All right, let's get to the next. So your favorite part of this movie, that was that what you just played is my favorite part of this movie. So I'll go first in this this section. Okay. Yeah. And it's 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 just like so ridiculous. They're speaking in hushed tones at this climactic moment it's the most tense life on the line evil versus kind of evil but like he's representing police and instead of yelling at each other or going to war with each other they're just aggressively whispering to each other pig pig, pig right pig. but here's the fatal flaw in the yeah the, 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 <laughs> a lot of the, fatal the, flaws, the, the night the night slasher is one of the more uh jacked up evil, just stone-cold killers that we have seen in Action Movie Rewind at this point. We'll rate him at the very end. But uh, rocks for brains, I think, best-case scenario. So his logic in that final scene, after watching Sylvester Stallone, Cobra, kill like 80 of his cult friends in front of him, right? Like Stallone literally just mowed through like 80 of his friends, put a couple in an incinerator, slashed a couple throats, used a couple big guns. And his logic in that moment is, you're not going to shoot me. Murder's against the law. Bro, he, bro, he just killed like 80 of your friends, okay? <laughs> right. You're going to die. Right. This is it for you, Night Slasher. But, yeah, to Judd's point, um, couldn't tell if it was a horror movie or an action movie with the Night Slasher, but I'm here for all of it. It was like a new genre. That's exactly what I felt, too. Like, I felt yeah. the exact same way. I have no idea what you're doing. It's awful. And somehow, I'm in love. Yeah, it was. it would be like if instead of... You know, in the movie Halloween with Michael Myers, instead of Jamie Lee Curtis like running for her life for two hours, it would be like if Michael Myers was going up against Cobra, Co- Marion Cabretti. Yep. That's right. Yeah, you can stalk this down all you want, but this is where the law starts. The law yes. stops, and I start. So, so my favorite part Booker T. of yeah. this film <laughs> is while it had no clue of its own identity, it knew one thing. And it's extremely important in every cop film. It wanted to be as cliched as possible. And I'm going to give you the two things that I absolutely are, are, are key to Seagal, are key to Lethal Weapon, like any of these films. The two things. One is when things get tough, call the rogue cop. It's always the rogue cop. It's yes. like, we've got this by the book. I'm here now. Okay, cool. And yep. it, and then and then road cop road cop always gets into arguments with his superiors well, like we can't do that that's against protocol I don't follow protocol screw protocol so but lethal that's, weapon but that's my Beverly second Hills favorite cop. part the the cliche so my second favorite part <laughs> is department calls in road cop who's like off the grid cop right my wife and kids were killed so I need something to do I'll go kill some yep. more people so road <laughs> cop but then but then but superiors so like. The lieutenants and stuff, they are always yelling and screaming, (laughs) and they are just the biggest cliches possible, and ordinarily, they get punched at the end, 
right? So the ability of this film to at the same time be a cop film and to be a horror film and to be its almost own, as Phil said, genre is only overcome by Stallone in writing this, his ability to still work as many cliches about cop films in as possible. Yeah. That's what I absolutely love about this. Everything that they did in that vein was a cliche. I think some of it too is Stallone thinks he's writing brilliant, right? He thinks that he's <laughs> Turner and or not Turner Hooch. Uh, well, he might be Turner Hooch. Cash, yeah. Right? Like in his mind, yep. the opening scene that Declan played, right, where he's like, "Every six seconds, a violent crime takes place somewhere in this country. <laughs> Every twenty-five seconds, someone gets murdered," and he just goes through all the stats. He had this brilliant idea at one point. I'm going to go get some production intern to go look these exactly. in the <laughs> yes, dude. And then I'm just going to read them, and it's going to be brilliant to start the movie. Yep. It's <laughs> so true. Dex, that's so true. What's your so. favorite thing, Dex? Uh, favorite part. A uh, couple things. A <laughs> couple things I noticed. Number one, it's amazing what you can do with a toothpick in your mouth at all times. Uh, it's, Stallone, a ma- it's a match, right? Is it a ma- I was trying to figure out if it was a, a match I, or a toothpick. Because that at the end where he says, you have the right to remain silent. That's a, uh, It's his match and he lights it. So, yeah, it's a match. It's a match. Well, yes. Even better. The things oh, you can yeah. do with a match in your mouth. Instead I of guess, smoking, I mean, he has you. a match. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that even when he, he finishes that hilarious you know first mall scene where I, I love how he takes a Coors Banquet, takes a sip, <laughs> throws it across to distract the dude. Comes home. Which, by the way, like, that was weird. The whole opening yeah. scene was weird. But was so very he weird. Takes, a, takes a sip of Coors, throws it to the right side. The guy shoots over there. And then he just, like, he also, like as if that's going to, like, throw this guy out. But I guess the guy was an idiot. Yeah, he so. was clearly pretty dumb. Uh, and then I love how he comes home afterwards. Okay, so he comes home. He, like, takes a pair of scissors to cut a piece of pizza. I don't really understand. Maybe he just doesn't yeah, have that, a pizza cutter or a do. knife. That's what no. men do. And for the first maybe 90 seconds when he's back in his house, he still has his sunglasses on and the toothpick and it or the match, excuse me, and it doesn't come off. He doesn't take off his sunglasses until he hears the news story about the night slasher. So he like got home, settled in, still having the sunglasses on, still having the entire Stallone look going. And it wasn't until, you know, Channel 6 comes on with an update on the night slash that he realizes. Oh my God! What am okay, I? Okay, let me pr- let me blow your guys' minds for a second here. Okay, I know that they cut this movie from like two and a half hours <laughs> down to an hour and a half. That does blow my mind. I I could cut this movie down to the first ten minutes and the last fifteen minutes and give you a twenty-five minute movie where you get you get the you get the opening monologue. If there's a burglary every ten minutes, there's the, you know, and then you get into the the grocery store robbery, and then ever, and then everything Declan just described. Oh, by the way, there's also like the cult with axes foreshadowing. Yeah, yep. you've got uh, Stallone pulling up in an old collector 1950 Mercury with a license plate that says "Awesome 50" which, on it, which was his car. Yeah. So that whole first fifteen <laughs> minutes, up until he cuts the pizza with the scissors, and then he sees the news report of. This uh, this cult and the night slasher, right? You could cut everything else out until the final showdown with the night slasher, and this would have been a great twenty five minute cinematic <laughs> yes. short. I Dude, thought, yes, I thought <laughs> the chase scene was the last scene. Like I thought the chase was going to end with him being killed, and that was it. Dude, but that car like literally like flipped up in the air. Yeah, and we got to, oh, we'll talk about oh, that. And they yeah. all just like that's that's in my right, let's get. 
That's least favorite thing. Judd Zolgatko. Okay. I'm going to go to the plot here. Um, and I'm going to read you guys what I perceive <laughs> to be fruit. to be the plot. And so keep in mind, it ended up being a short film. Like, it might have been long, but it was short. Mm-hmm. And the premise was actually, if you think about it, like, if you were to sit down and write this, the premise is pretty simple. Like, you don't need to give a lot of thought to what's the motivation of the, you know, they're just bad people out there. They're They're preying on people. They kill them. Okay, that's a normal thing. But the premise of this film, as far as I, I could tell, is this. Ultimately, this psychotic group of killers is after cops because they don't want to get caught by the cops if it means that they are going to have a woman who might identify one guy in this entire huge group, in this entire huge group, identify them. So they go from basically trying to kill civilians and, and avoid the cops at all cost to hunting the cops to get at this one person they're protecting who might, who could ID one person in this in, entire group. Yes. So why? So and, and then they failed. Yeah. And then they failed. <laughs> and my other thing too That's is, amazing. and my other thing too is, so they're going to now pursue. The cops, like out of the out of town, they're taking Brigitte Nielsen's character out of town. They're going to pursue them, and what starts with it's one person, and Stallone's like, no, it might be more than one. It's big. It might be a it might be a group or something. Is like eighty. It's like by the end, it's one hundred and fifty bleeping people. Right. It's like it keeps getting like. At first, I thought, oh, it's three people or four people. Okay, okay, that. And by the way, that makes perfect sense, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh no, it's um. You see that cult group, and you're like, oh, it's a few more than that. And by the end, there's people on motorcycles riding in from like Edina. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, here's the thing. How would you not notice, like? Every, every all these people kill these civilians all have axe wounds in their torsos, right? Like, there's no all the evidence that would be just around, right. and but like, it's just the, one one guy is just murdering all these people with the, axes all over the city. Right? The scene at the hotel, there at the motel, there's endless amounts of people coming on their on their uh, bikes. It doesn't end. It's like waves of people. I mean, there must have been three hundred people. Anyway, so Dude, so the, the, it would have been so easy to have this film as far as the bad guys track and like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And and like Stallone just kept adding people. The cult with axes is genuinely terrifying. Like they're and they're by the way, they're doing the skull chant with axes. They're like doing the like Oh, boom, I didn't pick boom, up. And then they and then they and then they and then their axes are like they're clanging their axes over their heads whenever right. they show Nice the pickup Phil. Yeah, I didn't pick up. All right, Dex, what was your least favorite thing? Uh yeah, it, it's that kind of hit on it mostly. It's the bad guys tactic, like their their entire optics. I couldn't understand basically like what they they're just a bunch of mercenaries and they're killing people and it starts off as just like a few of them. He's got this weird gal that's like his 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 uh her right his right hand woman I guess if you will and then by the end of the film there's like two hundred of them and I still really don't understand their motives just they're just trying to kill people they're this the new world order like basically also yeah, ripping they're, getting, off. they're trying to get rid of the they're trying to get rid of the weak members of society yeah I it's a, it's a supremacist group I uh I, I guess it's just I wanted a little I guess if this movie was gonna be longer I would like more backstory on why you guys are like this like I wanted I wanted a little bit more back instead it was just 
hey, there's this random killer going around in California murdering a bunch of people, and I'll get into my least believable part after this, but I just I didn't understand their motives. I didn't understand what the hell the point was. I think the irony here is that even though they're trying to kill the weak members of society, they are the mentally weak members of society right. themselves, and they die at the hands of Cobra, Cobra. Mary and Cobretti. Um, all right, man, least favorite part. I just this movie is so full of great parts. It really is. I would say my least favorite part was more just like the weirdest part to me. The weird montage in the middle of the movie <laughs> where Brigitte Nielsen, who's a model, so she's doing all these poses and there's like a there's a Robert Tepper uh the song is called Angel of the City by Robert Tepper, who also did Robert Tepper did No Easy Way Out in Rocky Four. The montage of Rocky is like driving through the city and contemplating life. Oh yeah. Robert, so Robert Tepper had a, a nice run here in the mid-'80s of great montage songs in <laughs> Sylvester Stallone action movies. But, uh, but this montage combined Brigitte Nielsen posing with robots while Stallone wanders the shady areas of Los Angeles looking for the Night Slasher. Yes. So it was, it was like the Rocky Four montage makes total sense, right? He's contemplating yeah. how to get revenge on this Russian monster fighter. And and he's retired, and he's trying to figure out, like, how to avenge the death of his best friend, Apollo Creed. And so he's driving through the city, shifting a million times while this Robert Tepper song plays, and he's flashing back to all these moments in his life. This montage was like a coked-out Brigitte Nielsen is in all these different outfits and wigs, posing with robots, while Sylvester Stallone is, like, talking to prostitutes up and down the streets in Los Angeles. It's like, all right. This makes zero sense, but you had to have a three-minute montage of a Robert Tepper song. Uh, cool. All right. Good talk. Did you not? <laughs> did you not half expect at one second in the part that you are talking about, Phil, for a r- robot to stop and say "Happy birthday, Polly"? Happy yeah. birthday, Polly. <laughs> it was like Stallone had like Stone loved robots. But it was man. like he had a lease on. Uh, I got these robots. I'm going to have to use them again. There's no way for him either. I like the robots. They're good. Bridgie, why don't you uh, pull? Yeah, I, but but the montages, by, by the way, were another great touch because oh, yeah. they're yeah. so bad. Oh, montages good. are such a huge part of Sylvester Stallone's uprising, right? All the Rocky montages, and so he just can we get needs in, that iconic just quickly, montage and everyone. Can we get into the mind of of Stallone, the writer, not not as an actor, but because Phil, I think you're right. Like I think that he writes or he wrote that stuff and thought this is unbelievably good, you know. And here here's where the montage is going. Don't ask any questions. You know, because, yeah. I, but I mean, no I, eye contact. I'd love to be in the, just for a second, just in the mind of Stallone, the writer, as far as what he thought was probably genius. I, I got to be honest. I think once you get into the mind of Sylvester Stallone's writer, you're going to find it's a pretty empty, vacant. Room. <laughs> That's why I, I want to be in there. That's why and, I want to be in there. And this scene where he's driving with Bridget Nielsen was, is like the epitome of that. Can I ask you something? Sure, what's that? Why were you fighting with the other police? Well, sometimes they don't buy what I believe. There's all these crazy people everywhere. Why can't the police just put them away and keep them away? I tell them to the judge. What do you mean? We put them away, they let them out. Makes me sick. Like I said, you gotta tell them to the judge. 
The little political commentary from Sylvester Stallone. Oh Dude, God. also, like, yeah, this this movie was legitimately a statement on the times in the mm-hmm. 80s, right? I mean, yeah. Ronald Reagan, it was, you look at, there's there's documentaries about just the, the spiking crime rates and arrests and people in jails from 1980 all the way through the 90s. And it was, the government was definitely putting the fear of God into <sighs> into people around the country. Like, hey, there's just... Listen, there's killers everywhere. Yep. <laughs> there's thugs and, and crime rates were spiking scary. in New York City and stuff and so there were higher crime rates but it just it just got exacerbated by some of these movies too. Um okay, another thing real quick least favorite part for me, the level of toxic masculinity in this movie is bad. so ridiculous. Like the 80s, everything yeah. about this movie. I mean, the fact that the dude needs a match in his mouth at all times, right? Because you never know. You never know when you're gonna have to light a guy on fire. Just <laughs> everything about. And there's, I would say, most Sylvester Stallone movies are just like dripping with toxic masculinity. I mean, yeah. The 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 scene where Bridget Nielsen's getting followed out by her agent wanting to like basically sleep with her. That scene's pretty bad. The hospital part where he, the night slash just the janitor and the cops just clearly checking up and down the nurse like it, it like the most obvious i'm checking you out i have ever seen in my life yeah it's it's pretty bad the 80s baby that's that, that hospital scene man well Amazing. why yeah. is the nurse so so why what i don't get is the nurse that gets killed who goes to check like they turn again they turn it into a horror film like she's like all of, i'm like why are you afraid like what she's got got this and she like takes back the curtain right and she's like oh and there's nobody there, but she's good. She's close to death. She can feel it. Like that's a that's a slasher film. That's like yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, right? It was. Mm-hmm. It, it is like it's actually this movie is Creepy more revolutionary music. than people are giving it credit for. It it combined action hero with slasher all it in did. one romance in the middle. Oh, I want to talk that, about that. That marriage between Brigitte Nielsen and Sylvester Stallone only lasted a couple years, I believe. Well, it was shock, and in, in, on the, in the Wikipedia notes it says they met on the set of Rocky Three, which I don't think is true because she wasn't in Rocky Three. She was in Rocky Four, oh, that's probably which it. was filmed in 1984 and came out in 1985. Yep. This was filmed in 85, came out in 86. Yep. So they they met around that time. All right. Any other thoughts before we get to the uh, the definitive bad guy rankings? Uh, least and... believable. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Least okay. Least believable. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> there's many of I mean, them. So I've got one off of Phil. What you just brought up. In real life, Sylvester Stallone and, at this point, Brigitte Nielsen are married, okay? So I want to start by saying that, to make that very clear. They have, in this film, no chemistry. How is it possible that a couple can, I mean, their relationship in this film is not believable. There is not an ounce of spark between those two. (laughs) Like, I felt that there was nothing. Um, It was like she couldn't stand him. And they were bleeping married. Well, you're frozen. And, may, and maybe she couldn't. You're frozen. They were married for two years. But anyway. They were married for two years. This was a year into their marriage, too. So she's like, probably sick of them by this The point. romantic part <laughs> of this film was, was I, I would say, could have been cut out. Unnecessary. It was uncomfortable. It was. Like, it was, so. And she, she's also just like. So here's the other thing about her. So she has an accent. Like, she's from, I don't know. Belgium or something like she's not I don't know where she's from but she's definitely from Europe and so she sort of half tried to cover up her accent yeah mm-hmm. not like she well. clearly was trying to speak like an American but every other word was very clearly accented from somewhere in Europe so just why can't she just be from Europe 
Because that. Why that, can't she just talk like she talks? That's the magic of the film. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they had no <laughs> chemistry. The relationship was not believable, and they were a couple. I love it. All right, Dex, least believable. Okay. I love how I think the news person says uh, about the night slasher and these killings. They've all been quiet killings. They've all they've all been quiet killings. That's her exact word she uses. There is nothing quiet about getting stabbed or being chopped in half with an axe. Like, you will hear, if someone hits you with an axe, you are going to hear the loudest scream of all time. Just because the weapon isn't loud. You're not instantly killing someone. Unless you chop their head off, you're not instantly killing them. Right. They're going to feel pain for like two minutes until they bleed out. Correct. So they're going to be screaming. So my least believable part is like, oh, they've all been quiet killing, so it's been hard to trace them. It's an axe murderer. It's a knife. It is the loudest possible thing you could imagine. And I love, too, how basically at the end, how he kills the knights. Like, he puts them on that hook and just gets burned alive. Like, oh, my God. Like, you got to be kidding me. The least believable part is quiet killings with knives and axes. That does not exist. That those aren't parallels. And that hook, they show you, they telegraph that like eight times. They showed the hook going around, and it's like the slasher doesn't see it. Oh, he's going to get roasted on it. Um, and the other thing that, to Dex's point, Phil, the other thing that they do is they very clearly, I, I believe it's on the news report that Stallone watches near the beginning of the film. They say the, the night slasher is, is, is non-discriminate, right? He's killing everybody. He's killing that, blah, blah, blah. The only people the Night Slasher then kills on film are hot women in their 20s and 30s. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's indiscriminate. We don't know what he's going to do next. Every woman he kills is about probably between 29 and 35. I would say the least believable thing for me was just the idea that the Night Slasher would be smart enough and a good enough leader with enough awareness and emotional intelligence to lead a group that large. Like I know that they're all psychopaths, but there's got to be some organization. You know, there's a mission. You're going to get rid of all the weak people in society. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you're going to have organized killing uh, efforts at night, right? Like you can't, you can't just like let them all go rogue. There's got to be some organization. I just don't feel like the night slasher had a high enough IQ or EQ to be able to lead that group. He just rocks for brains, man. That guy wasn't it. Listen, like I wasn't it, pig. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to shoot me, pig. Uh, so uh, Stallone, let's see here. So he did Rocky Three, First Blood, 82, then Rambo 2 and Rocky 4 in 85. And then, I'm sorry, Rambo 3 came out in 88. So he had done six Rambo or Rocky movies leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And this was this was legitimately one of his first this might have been his first, like, he was in a few other random movies, like Paradise Alley and Fist, like, right after Rocky came out. Sure. He was in Nighthawks and Escape to Victory in 81. And then he was in a movie called Rhinestone in 84. But like, this I remember was... Rhinestone, yeah. Okay. I remember. And I've one. never seen Rhinestone. But yeah. Cobra was kind of the first of these non-Rocky Rambo blockbusters. And then it went over the top in 87, the arm wrestling movie, which we should do. Mm-hmm. Lock up, Tango and Cash, and then into Rocky Five in 1990. And then, <laughs> and then Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. So he had a handful of these where he just kind of jumped into this weird action realm. And th- this, this felt like Rambo with a badge, right? 
Yeah. That's how it felt and, to me. Like and, and some cheap, more cheesy lines. Yeah. Say. Which, by the way, he really can't do. Yeah. All right. Definitive bad guy rankings. So mm. the criteria is how iconic are they, how ruthless are they, and how charismatic are they? And so to this point, the top bad guys we have ranked so far are the Terminator, Hans Gruber, Michael Myers from Halloween, uh, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus, Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. The worst ones are Cullen from Kindergarten Cop, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, the muggers from Death Wish, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, Max Dent from Beverly Hills Cop 2, um, and, and those are the worst ones. So we've been doing we've been doing this for like a year, and we when we started, and we haven't to this point done a number ranking. We've just sort of ranked them where we think they should be. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of tough to go back and like put a number ranking on all these. So we just have to sort of slot this in. Where do we think it ranks? Is it middle of the pack? By the way, Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop, the Scorpio Killer from Dirty Harry, um, Lord Humongous from Mad Max Two. I think he's kind of in that category. Yeah. He's like a Lord Humongous. Yeah. He's definitely of. ruthless. I mean, yeah. he's certainly ruthless. But in terms of the charismatic and icon, it's low. It's very, yeah. very the name. Low. The name is pretty pretty yeah. iconic. I think, but yeah. well, and he was. I I don't blame him. I blame the fact that Stallone wrote the film about himself. So, like, he was not going to share. He he was not going to get. So, I yeah, I think if he goes middle of the pack, that's probably fair. Okay, I'm going to make an executive decision here. I don't, I don't think he can be above Le Chief from Casino Royale or Chong Lee from Bloodsport. Chong Lee from Bloodsport is much more iconic than okay. this guy. That's fine. I mean, he's yeah, going to go, no, go below think, Chong Lee. Go right ahead. Yep. Oh, and okay. the... the uh, Scorpio Killer was the guy that Stallone's character Cobra punches at the end of the film. That that cop who is on, on him the entire time. Cobra, you don't go by the book. You don't. No. You're screwing this up. That's the Scorpio Killer. So oh, same guy, of course. Of course, same he guy. guy right. Okay, uh, a one through ten rating for the overall quality and entertainment mm. value of this movie. This so, so the fun. best ones we have reviewed so far, we have three perfect tens. Terminator, <laughs> Die Hard, and we did Halloween as an action movie too. Taken, John Wick, Commando, and Beverly Hills Cop are all a nine or above. And then uh, at the bottom, the worst ones we have reviewed, the worst one ever, we all gave it a one, was Beverly Hills Cop 2, and it was so bad we stopped. that we stopped doing we stopped action doing movie this. rewind for two months. Yep. Demolition Man, 2.7. Kindergarten Cop and Shoot 'em Up at a 2.8. Bloodsport, inexplicably at a 3. No, it's not. Mad Max 2, a 3.7. Wanted, a 3.8. And Rambo 3, a 4. And there's a bunch in the middle. So we'll start with Judd. Okay, I to be clear, I love this film because it was just so, it had so many just gloriously bad parts that were actually so bad they became good. Um, but I'm trying to weigh this. How do I do this score? How do I do this score? How do I do this score? I, unlike Declan, didn't enjoy the end that much because it sort of went on. And and by the way, what is the league rule that that <laughs> all of these films must end up in in incinerator plant? Like it's <laughs> like let's always have the fights. At, so I'm, but I'm going to to give this film a four. I'm going to gi- I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a low grade while admitting guilty pleasure. I was mm-hmm. giddy during the course of this film. That's fair. I mean, real quick before Declan gives his score. Uh-huh. So 
I love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. But when you watch it through the prism of action movie rewind, it's not a high, it's just, you know, it's kind of lame. So we gave that one a 4.7 overall. So I think you can, you can appreciate yep. the glorious bad nature of a movie and still stop on it when you're flipping around if it's on, right? Yep. So, all right. Absolutely. Jackson, one through 10. All right. Like I said, the first hour of this film, I thought it was going to be the worst one we've ever done. Um, but the last 15 minutes, mainly in the incinerator part, save this movie uh, for me. So that being said, I give it a six. Okay. I give it a six. It was going to be a one. It was. It was. I was that's on a, good, a that's hard a ni- track to be a one. Nice rise. And the, and you brought it way up. Yep. Yep. The, okay. The the last. I, I've been on this road too before academically. You know, you, you put in the work in the last couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden you can get that grade up to being a passable D. This is a solid six. This is a six. A six is not a bad score. No, it's not. No, it's a, fi- it's, it's a five for me. Some of this is me just sort of doing some comparison. Like Air Force One is a five on our list. This is Air Force One to me is it should be one of the best movies we've ever reviewed. And I don't know who dragged that down. But I don't think I, think I it was did. Probably, I wasn't probably there for Rami. that. Probably, yeah, Rami, probably Rami, Rami and Jonathan. Probably Rami and Jonathan. Get off yeah. my plane. Um, so Cobra, uh, I'm giving it a five, which means the average score for us is a five. So. All right, it's a it's, so it's slightly above Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and Tango and Cash, where it where it probably belongs. And Tango and Cash was awful, like that sucked. That was it was, and I didn't really enjoy that as much. I really did enjoy this garbage. And like Tango and Cash was kind of comedy, but bad comedy. Stallone has this identity crisis of what he wants a movie to. I like, like this how you're the Stallone whisper. I love me some stuff. I know you do. Well, and, Rock, really and, does. and the Rocky franchise, here's the incredible thing. Okay, I'm going to make a, a potentially inflammatory statement about Sly. The Rocky yeah. franchise is really good. Like, it started off with really good films. And, and while, Phil, I think that you fall into the area of the franchise that's not as good, it's incredibly popular, and it serves the Rocky franchise well. But if I were to cross out Stallone's identity with that franchise entirely. I would like to make the case that I believe my guy, Steven Seagal, is a better actor than Sly Stallone. Wow. I feel like this. I feel. And here's why. They both suck. But here's why. I feel like Seagal plays Seagal without the identity crisis as much as Sylvester. But I think that's what makes the, the identity crisis is what I like about it. I, I think no, that's, that's fine. I, that's, yeah. I think that I, I would have to go to Stallone. I would have okay. to default to no, Stallone. I, I made the statement, but you sure. are, and that's a great point. But I'm just telling you right now, if you can, like, if you can take the the rocky portion out of Sly Stallone's career and like just go Rambo and on, I think this guy is worse than Seagal. He's not a good actor, but he's. Here's the thing about his writing, too. So he obviously has created all of these Rocky movies and won an Academy Award in the 70s. The Creed part of the franchise is amazing. The really writing, good. all of it, the whole, the premise, everything. And so he must have just been so coked out in the 80s and so caught up in <laughs> the vanity lifestyle and wanted to maximize his star power. And, the, and some movies like this came out. So, all right. The uh, the next three on our list to draw from here, and then we'll get into another pool after that. Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So one of the one of the early. And I've never seen Predator, by the way. Oh, I've never seen Predator. It's been a while, but great movie. Yeah, me too. A, uh, probably the 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 peak Jean Claude Van Damme movie, Kickboxer. I, I want to do this. I've heard a lot of people tell me we have to do this, dude. 
it is there the end of kickboxer the end fight scene is and we like, have, I wa- as a kid I watched it and I was terrified like oh my god I can't believe this is about to happen we have not done Jade Claude Van Damme since we did the first one right well bloodsport but bloodsport was our first one ever yes Yep. And, and Bloodsport last... and Kickboxer have a lot of things in common, and I even mixed some of those things up when we were reviewing yep. this movie. Oh, that's right, you did. Yep. Um, and then Rush Hour is the third one on our pick'em list here. I much prefer the, the first two. What, one of the first two I'd prefer. Why don't we do Kickboxer? I, yeah, can we make Should the we exec- kickboxer? Yes, executive decision of Kickboxer? Oh, okay. Or even okay. unanimous decision. Kickboxer. Kickboxer could either wind up being at the top <laughs> or at the very bottom. Boomer wow. bust. With very little in between, yeah. I think. Boomer bust. Wow. So okay. Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme next week on Action Movie Rewind. That's a wrap on today's episode. 145, boys. 145. I love this film already. Kickboxer? Good. Yep. Yeah. 145. Probably, nice. Honestly, probably doesn't even need to be that long. But <laughs> I like how you're cutting Jean- films down. Jean-Claude's I'm got, proud of Jean-Claude you. loves himself some montages Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. All right, dudes. The great stuff. And uh, and and g- give us your thoughts if there's some wh- – wh- maybe what we can do is post an updated list of all the ones we've reviewed so far so people can sort of see, and then you guys can recommend some movies we can add to the list to uh, to go forward with. But that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd and Action Movie Rewind. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Score North MN, and give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word about the show. See you. We can't go shaking down. People will have internal affairs jumping down our throats. Yeah, well, then we lost. Boss, what do you mean lost? Because as long as we have to play by these rules and the killer doesn't, we're going to lose. What do you want to do? There's nothing we can do except wait. What? For it to happen again.